Good morning. Today is a great day. So glad you chose to be with us today. For some of you, you're really, really glad that we're finally getting finished today in the You in Five Years series. For others, you're going, this, oh, can we go a little bit longer? And, uh, well, we are, five years. <laughs> but that part's up to you to see that this thing goes for you in five years. Today's title is Choose What is Better. Choose What is Better. For years now, I have offhandedly usually without notes, uh, loosely quoted from a book that I read over 30 years ago about how you could be climbing up the ladders of success and get to the top and then have regret recognizing that your ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And uh, I thought now would be a good time to read how that quote really goes in words that are better than mine. Listen for it. It comes from Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I read over 30 years ago, and it had a big impact on changes that I made, changes like what we're talking about that uh, make a difference for long term. He writes, to begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. It means to know where you're going so that you better understand where you are now and so that the steps you you take are always in the right direction. It's incredibly easy to get caught up in the activity trap, in the busyness of life, to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success only to discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. It is possible to be busy, very busy, without being very effective. People often find themselves achieving victories that are empty, successes that have come at the expense of things they suddenly realize were far more valuable to them. People often struggle to achieve only to find that their drive to achieve their goal blinded them to the things that really mattered most and now are gone. How different our lives are when we really know what is deeply important to us and keeping that picture in mind, we manage ourselves each day to be and to do what really matters most. If the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. We may be very busy, we may be very efficient, but we will also be truly effective only when we begin with the end in mind. Now with that quote, we understand that saying you in five years isn't actually stretching the idea far enough out. But we are making an effort to stretch the idea out further than what we typically did at the new year with a new year's resolution. We're trying to go beyond just the temporal way of thinking But even when we put a label five years on it, we're still thinking pretty temporally. But if we can think more eternally for these objectives we're trying to strive for, it will make that tremendous difference each day, which adds up in five years. And you will not regret at the end of your life. So that's the big theme 
Uh, here's a review. Just in case today is the first day for you, uh, we've been in this. This is our fifth session, and we focused on just key words about and around this concept. So part one, we focused on who, you in five years, but we recognize that you're not going to be able to do it. You need God's help because self is not enough for really making changes to self. And we need God's help. Self-help just doesn't really help when self is the problem. In part two, we focused on why, and we're really exchanging the typical why The typical why is all kind of me-centered, and we want to find out that the true joy, the true delight is in the Lord, that he's where the joy is, and change your why, and it changes everything. In part three, we focused on the how, how we will do it, and we're going to do it little step by little step, and in in part four, we focused on when, when can we make these changes? We're so busy. How can we insert any new habit? And we talked about that specifically last week. Today we're talking about what. What. What we need to make sure that we choose what is better. And so we're going to look at what. We're going to jump into a text of two sisters, two ladies, with a disagreement about what is better and letting Jesus weigh in on that before we jump into that text I'll give you a chance. Anybody, who, who, who are these sisters? Mary and, Martha. Mary and Martha. So some of you are already ready to stand up here and preach it. All right. Let's pray together before we read that text. Lord God, we thank you for uh, giving us such clear instruction in the text we're about to read in terms of what is better and help us to have hearts that are fully open so that today might be the day that we set a course on a better what that we take the ladder that we're currently on, stepping up so fast and hard, and lean it against the right wall that's eternal. And we pray for your help in understanding these words, and your help in beginning to take steps, and your encouragement that we find joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Here we go. As Jesus... And his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? I'm a Martha. In a lot of settings, totally out of touch with relational connectivity and needing uh, to be reminded what's more important. And so if you're a Martha too, I'm not pointing the finger hard at you, all right, as we continue together today. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Point number one. Now, today's outline is very different than we usually do. Some of you are going to struggle because there's no blanks to fill out, but... 
that's not really true. I left you blanks between every question that you can fill out whatever you want to as answers to these questions, and every question begins with the word what. All right, there's your tip off. Point number one, what is a good five-year objective? What is a good five-year objective? So we revisit verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, bless Martha's out there. If you want to have a great party, you need a Martha, right? And Martha's are really, really important. In fact, Martha had the gift of hospitality, which is a spiritual gift. It's a good gift to have. But even with good gifts, you can get distracted by your own focus, your own filter, your own gift, where everybody needs to have your gift and function according to your gift. And uh, some of you intercessors that are all about intercession, for example, really laid heavy on all of us that we need to pray at least two hours a day like you do, and we don't have that gift, so on and so forth. Well, this is the kind of thinking that Martha has going here, and she's doing all the work. And she wanted her sister to be involved. And Jesus weighed in on that. So her objective is not bad to be a great hostess. I mean, it's very important to honor this guest. Now, we need to also understand that in a Jewish culture, being a great hostess is very important. To honor an honored guest is very important in their culture. And so Martha is functioning according to cultural values and wanting to do the best she can with those values. It's a major failure if you don't do this well. And Mary is causing her to fail. That's where she's coming from, okay? And so understanding that background is helpful, and yet Jesus says Martha is distracted. She's distracted by her cultural values. She's distracted by the stress that's self-induced to reach those values. She's distracted by the filter of judgment that has entered into her brain where she's angry at her sister and so righteous about it, she wants Jesus to be just as angry and to say something so that he would correct Mary. Whoa. We are afraid to raise our hand. I'm a Martha, but sometimes I'm a Martha there too because of my filter. And you have been a Martha too because of your filter where, where you feel so right, cultural values and what you want to accomplish and your goals are being blocked by somebody else that you can start to come across like Martha, distracted pulled off of the right objective. Somehow, in her attempt to honor Jesus, she's going to dishonor Mary, which also dishonors Jesus, and she can't see it. All right, let's pray and go home. Because <laughs> that's enough to try to get right, right? It's tough stuff we're working through. No, let's keep going. She's distracted. Not only she's distracted, let's keep reading here. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. 
Do you see some distractions there? Okay, there is, those are the distractions. You say it. Thank you. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. That's our title. Choose what is better. Now we've got to figure out what that is and how Mary has chosen that, and it will not be taken away from her. Just checking. What's our title today? Thank you. All right. What is better? What is better? Life is filled with distractions that take us off of what is better. There are good distractions that take us off of what is better. And certainly there's a lot of bad distractions that take us off of what is better. So when you want to get to who you want to be and who God wants you to be in five years, we're going to need to choose and make sure we're choosing what is better. Because if we don't choose what is better, you in five years is not going to be the, really the better version of you that Jesus wants you to be. It's going to be your version. Could be the ladder on the wrong wall. It could be a work objective, a make a lot of money objective, or something like that. And you're being distracted away from something that has more value than that, that Mary's going to show us that Jesus sees more value there. Okay? That's where we're heading today. Life is filled with distractions. So let's take a look at these distractions, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Jesus, from his perspective at that moment, said, eh. I hope I'm not putting words in his mouth, okay? The, doing hospitality is really, really important, but from his perspective, with all these disciples sitting at his feet, listening and hanging on every word, that was more important to him because it was going to shape the world. It was going to change the world. A movement he was beginning was going to change everything. It really didn't matter to him that the table setting wasn't perfect. It really didn't matter if the food wasn't perfect. What he was after was changing the world, and so he's going to point to what was better. Now, had Martha's attitude been great, we could have had the best of both worlds. She would have been supporting changing the world with what's better. But instead, she's undermining it with her own filters. That's the trouble, okay? And so we we're, we're, want to affirm Martha's out there at the same time we figure out how to be choosing what's better. So <clears throat> here's some other translations of what is better. We don't want to miss what is really needed. We don't want to miss what is essential. We don't want to miss what is more important. All of those kinds of translations are quite possible in there. That's what's better. It's the one thing that's needed. It's essential. It's really, really important. That's the choice that we got to make every day to get to the person we want to be five years from now. And that's what Jesus is affirming here. Okay? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Martha thought, Mary was the one that's distracted. 
She was distracted from her job as a woman. She's sitting there like a man in the position of the disciples at the feet of Jesus. Disciples are only supposed to be in that position. Who does she think she is? Jesus, set her straight. She's not a disciple. She's a woman. And Jesus elevated women consistently. He consistently elevated people who were marginalized in society. He's the one that was the first person that revolutionized who ladies are so that they could be on equal status with men before God. Never forget that. And he elevates Mary, taking the position of the student of Jesus. No woman did that. Mary was doing it, and she didn't care what people thought, not even Martha. She was riveted and focused and thirsty and hungry to hear every word of Jesus. And Jesus affirmed that. Women, rise up. Let's do this thing. Change the world. This is Jesus affirming being a full-fledged disciple of Jesus. So Martha thought Mary was the one distracted and chose the wrong thing. Jesus thought Martha was distracted and she chose the wrong thing. Who's right? Give you three seconds. Okay. Anytime you think you've got it right and Jesus says something different, don't use your black highlighter in the Bible and go, I don't like that one. (laughs) Go love your enemies. Nope. Forgive. I can't forgive that. That's unforgivable. Right? Jesus is always right. So you need to be at the feet of Jesus to hear him enough to let your ways of thinking, because our ways of thinking are totally shaped by our culture, just like Martha's ways of thinking was totally shaped by her culture. Let Jesus reshape your thinking so that you will highlight his words and go, that's the way I need to think. And the only way you know how to do this is if you are choosing, like Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus, hanging on every word, like all of his words, Martha, are correct. Right? And that's what we need to hang on to. We can be pulled off course by good things. But there are a lot of bad things here, too. Worries, cultural values that are off. They're not quite right with Jesus. Anger, there are bad things that pull you off too. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her, she's wrong, and Jesus won't. Sorry, Martha, you're wrong. I love it when Jesus is just very lovingly full of grace and truth. I want to be there so frequently, I just very lovingly try to give grace, try to give grace. Try to give grace. But if I only give grace, we're just a river with no borders. That flood is destructive. you got to have borders and truth. Otherwise, everybody does whatever they want. They don't know any better. Grace only makes sense in the river with borders. Full of grace, full of truth. So it's corrective and loving. 
Jesus was the only one that ever lived that could live this out perfectly. Dangerous distractions. Dangerous because of her judgment. Dangerous because of her comparison. Dangerous distractions. Perhaps we should be careful to listen to Jesus on what is better. So, if you have a five-year objective, what have we learned so far? Start every day sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because if you sit every day at the feet of Jesus, you will achieve not only your five-year objective, because Jesus will help you, you will achieve your eternal objective. We're going to learn this even as we're looking at the life of Mary rather rapidly. Um, So the second question is this. What if we don't achieve our objective as planned? So as we've all been talking about these five-year objectives, I wanted to kind of fuel the fire to think big, think bigger, you know, like learn a second language and read gazillion books and whatever it is that this objective you're aiming for. If you choose to seek Jesus first, you'll discover those objectives. If, if they're worthy, Jesus will help you right in them. But which objective is first? Make Jesus' objective first, and then the secondary objectives uh, he can help you in, okay? And then we're asking the question, well, what if we don't achieve the secondary objective? No big deal if you have achieved the primary objective. That's kind of the point, okay? We're going to get to that in a different way as well. So we need to trust him today. I don't know if you've considered this before, but if Jesus really is the source of all, which I believe he is, and if he not only is the source of all, but he has died for all of us so that he could give us his spirit to fill us. He's the means through which we can achieve anything eternal. So he is the source of eternal life. He's the means through which we live out this eternal life right now. And he's the purpose of our life. Source means purpose. So he's the center of your life. And if he's the center of your life, everything else begins to fall into a better order than if you are the center of your life. When you're the center of your life, everything gets all in disarray and out of order and selfish. But if Jesus is the center of your life and you're asking his help every day at the feet of Jesus, help me, then everything else, including your objectives, begin to get realigned. If this major objective that, like Martha, you have a filter and can't see it, you think, this is it, this is it. Listen to Jesus if he needs to correct it and say, no, that's secondary. There's only one thing primary. By the way, in English, we've now talked about priorities. The word used to be, years and years ago, priority. There was no plural. It's the one priority that organizes everything else. And so make sure you have the right priority. In the you in five years, what's your priority? That's what we're talking about. Okay? Question number three. What if our plans fail because life happens differently than we expected? First of all, verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. 
It will not be taken away from her. Now, in part one, I alluded to the fact that this whole series, I'm borrowing loosely pieces from a whole series that Levi Lesko, pastor uh, of a megachurch much younger than me, has done this series every five years for a while now. And in this particular uh, session five, the title that was chosen for session five was this phrase, it will not be taken away from her. And the person who preached it was Jenny Lesko, his wife. What you need to understand is that after preaching the You in Five Years series, in the middle of their five years together, life happened in a way that was not planned. It was really rough. They lost one of their little daughters. If you want to read about that, uh, Levi Lesko wrote a book called Through the Eyes of a Lion. Uh, you'll need Kleenex. But it's one of the best, most profound books on grieving that holds on to the hope of Jesus Christ that I've ever read. And it doesn't sugarcoat anything. But it gives you rock-solid hope if you've lost a loved one. And Jenny Lesko stood up and preached about how their five-year goals were completely disrupted, but there was one thing that could not be taken from them, that every day they met at the feet of Jesus. And she met every day at the feet of Jesus and brought her children to the feet of Jesus with her and read Bible stories to them. And so it was a rock-solid confirmation of a vibrant, growing faith in their daughter who is now with Jesus. And that could never be taken away from her. In fact, her commitment to instill values into her children and into all the children of her church just grew exponentially and she's challenging the entire church. What could happen not in five years, but 50 and 20 with our children? If we take this commitment so to heart that we bring our children to the feet of the Lord in a vibrant faith where they know the stories, the truth, the history, and who he is. I was raised like that with my mom reading Bible stories to me. And so when life comes at you and the objectives you thought were primary get knocked out from underneath you and the ladder falls over, if you had little steps of being at the feet of Jesus, don't worry. He's the author of your great story. And he's going to make it beautiful and wonderful. Not easy, but beautiful and wonderful and life transformative through you. The Lesko family is changing the world. It's changing the world to not give trite answers. It's changing the world to understand that eternity is real. It's changing the world to understand that with Jesus, hope is possible. And we need that hope. Question number four, what value determines what objective is better than another? What value determines this? Time. If something lasts for five years, it's pretty valuable. But if something lasts for eternity, <laughs> it's 
eternally more valuable. So many of us are setting up ourselves for the ladder on the wrong wall by choosing temporal values. I want you to choose eternal values in your objectives. How do you get there? Sit at the feet of Jesus, have him help you shape those values, and write it out as objectives, and begin to take little steps. It's about your character more than it's about achievements. It's about your motives more than it is about how you accomplish this task and this task and this task. We talked about the Super Bowl just moments ago. You know, for a team to win the Super Bowl is an incredible achievement, but time will tell how valuable that achievement was. How many people will remember all the details about that particular year five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or eternity? Now, the stories behind the stories about the motives and the whys and the relationships, the eternal values in some of the players, they last forever as it relates to the accomplishment. But the actual ring for the Super Bowl? Mm, not so much. And the memory, collective memory, and the accolades, that's forgotten. It's forgettable. It's not that big a deal. It's time that tells what is valuable, and we need to figure out how to set ourselves on a course that is about eternity. I find it fascinating that in Luke 10, which we're reading, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. I find it fascinating that in John 11, she's ripped up with grief, having just lost her brother, and she's weeping at the feet of Jesus. I find it fascinating that in John chapter 12, she's weeping and anointing Jesus' feet with the costly uh, perfume, imitating a different woman that often is confused by people, talked about in Luke earlier, who was a street person and Mary was not. I think Mary is imitating her, what she heard about her. But here's why she is imitating her. She was at the feet of Jesus listening to Jesus' teaching and she was learning things from Jesus that the disciples did not learn. She didn't have the hang-up they did about what the Christ would be like. And so when Jesus said he was really going to die, she believed him, tear-filled eyes and all. And so she says, I'm running out of time. And she anoints his feet and Jesus then affirms what she does and says, this is eternal. This will never be forgotten. This will be spoken of her forever. Whereas... The disciples, Judas in particular, was all hung up on how much money she wasted. And Jesus said, none of this was a waste. Question number five. What kind of effort is never wasted effort? The kind that can never be taken away from you. Psalm 37, 23 reads this way. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. We're all planning to make steps. We're all figuring out objectives. What steps is this going to take? What are these little steps, these habits we've been talking about that we're going to put into place? How can we put these into place with God's help to make an eternal difference? And here's the biggie. Will you take steps starting today? Will you choose what is better Will you reorient whatever it is the goal is that it be a goal to give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
that he will be the source, he will be the means, and he will be your focused purpose to give glory and honor to him in these decisions and these steps each day. Folks, life is going to be a battle from this point forward. It's already been a battle. And we're the prize for Jesus, but he's the prize for us. And every day we need to win the battle of trusting Jesus. If we win the day by trusting Jesus for today, we're making advancements in the kingdom. If we lose the battle today for trusting Jesus and living it his way, we're taking ourselves off course. Win the day. It's too big to focus on the week, even five years. The way to get there is little by little, today. Will I trust Jesus today? Will I keep my appointment with Jesus today? Make an appointment. Where will it be? What time will it be? It's a date. Don't stand Jesus up on a date. He's too important for that. Meet with him. Sit at his feet. Learn from him. Set your whole life agenda centered around him and for him and from him and through him. And he's over you, he's in you, he's through you. It's going to make a huge difference in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships at work, with your friends, and with your own emotions. Love comes from him. Joy comes from him. Peace comes from him. It's his character entering into us that changes us. You out of joy? Meet with him. You out of peace? Meet with him. Are you a little bit frightened? Meet with him. Are you confused? Meet with him. Listen to him. Ask him. Seek him. Life is going to happen. It's not going to go the way you want it to go. Period. But it's going to go the way God wants it to go if you walk with him. So I'll finish with this quote. Here it is on the screen. Choose the best thing, the significant thing, the eternally significant thing. Focus on what can't be taken away so that no matter what else is taken away, your relationship with Jesus remains strong. That quote just soars for me as I think about a couple that are racked with pain with the loss of their child. But because they met with Jesus at his feet day to day, they were able to walk with Jesus through it even stronger and helping the world deal with hard stuff. That's not to say he's going to take you through that. He has your story. And you're a masterpiece. He's created you for good works. And he knows in advance what good works he's created you for. Of course you want to meet with Jesus to step on that path and plan that he has for you, specially tailor-made, masterpiece, poema, poem. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful story. This author of life is authoring in your story. My story, if I try to write it, will come out worse 
that if I trust Jesus to write my story and win the day today, Jesus, help me today. So if you came today, I hope you're encouraged. If you came today, you came today, are you encouraged? If you're a guest, I would love to have you fill out this Connect card. Take it to the information table. We'd love to gather just a, a little bit of information so we can send you some stuff and give you a, a gift bag also. If you have a prayer request, you can drop the prayer need inside the offering boxes that are those black boxes towards the back by the door. And if you have a prayer need that's kind of urgent, because we won't be praying for these cards until tomorrow or the next day, um, prayer team, would you make your way to the left of the stage? We'd love to pray for you. Whatever this big thing is that you need some help and support on, we'd love to pray for you. Love to see you come back next week talking about making a difference in the world. Let the children come. Let the children come. We'll come real soon. I think we have a different series first. Stories that stick. We're so far ahead, I'm confused. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Help us, Lord, to honor you today. Here we are. We came to your feet. We worshiped you as way bigger than any being that we can imagine. And you've done so much and love us so well. Help us to step in faith with you. May this be the day where somebody chooses what's better. In Jesus' name, amen.